0: Welcome to Time Lapse, Season 5 of the Dayton Women in the Word podcast. In this season, we track how God works in and through our guests' lives over the course of time. In each episode, you will hear two interviews recorded about six months apart. Of course, we chat scripture, encouragement, and the character of God in both interviews. We dwell richly together in every season. We invite you, sister, no matter your current season, to come along for the journey.
1: Welcome back to the Dayton Women in the Word podcast. Um, Before you panic or change the channel too quickly, no, I am not Bethany Sibbitt. My name is Jordan Atwell. Some of you may know me, but if you don't, I have the privilege of editing uh, all of our podcasts for Dayton Women in the Word. So each week I receive content from the team and uh, have the opportunity to scramble and and put pieces together uh, to produce the episodes that you hear each week. Uh, it's been a great joy of mine to do that over this past year or so and uh, I've really really enjoyed my time with the team. As you know this season is our time-lapse season where we have had the opportunity to interview guests to see what the Lord is doing in their lives and then to fast forward several months ahead uh, and to follow up with them and see what's changed, what's remained the same, and what God is up to. This week however will be a little unique. Instead of Bethany guiding us through the first half of our episode, I am actually going to fill you in on a little story. But don't worry, uh, you won't have to listen to me the whole time. Uh, My amazing wife, Jamie, uh, will be joining us shortly for the second half of our interview. So I'm going to get you up to speed on the events that have led us to our current situation in life, where we are and what we're up to, uh, then we'll hear more from her later. So here we go. So our story really begins uh, with the story of transition. Uh, my wife, Jamie, and I um, had just had our first child, a little girl named Eleanor. And about six months into... Um, you know, having, having a newborn, uh, one day we, we just realized that Eleanor was acting kind of sluggish, was, you know, just not really acting herself, was having a hard time holding her head up, even holding her eyelids open. Um, and we could just tell that something was, was strange. Um, we had just, or I, excuse me, I had just stepped down from a job um, a ministry job in a city where my where my parents lived um, I had just left a church um, not for any really um, major reason, just a lot of small reasons that we felt it, it probably wasn't a good fit for us at the time um, kind of struggling through some other issues in our in our just in my, my personal life and had kind of just right before this got to a season where we both knew that it was it was time to leave. And so shortly after we kind of make this announcement, you know, we start to see these signs in our baby. Uh, and so, of course, we, we kind of panic and we take her to the hospital, the local ER. And the next thing we know, um, our, our six-month-old is being airlifted to a hospital in Louisville and as it would as we would find out um our 6 month old had botulism now i i remember um when we were you know first have first talking about getting pregnant and and trying to have kids that my wife Jamie who is an enneagram 1 and loves all of the rules uh, was so adamant about not giving infants honey or or you know canned foods because of this, um, this virus called botulism. Now, I, we, did, we did not feed our daughter honey. Um, to my knowledge, she's still never really had honey to this day and she's almost two. Um, so somehow we found out that Eleanor had contracted uh, this virus called botulism. And if you don't know what botulism is, essentially it's a, a virus that attacks the neuromuscular junction in your body and if not treated, can begin to shut down um, and, and essentially paralyze you. Now, the the good news is, um, typically it's all uh, reversible, and that y- you can um, attack it, you know, head on, and, and there's not really any significant damage. But nonetheless, it's in the moment, it's super scary. Uh, you, you know, you have the six month old. we're brand new parents. She's not eating well if at all. She sounds like she's choking on her food. And so we we're just panicked. Um so we rush her to the hospital and, and we end up spending about two weeks in um Norton Children's Hospital in Louisville. Um, really just kind of trying to care for our kid. I, I remember our last Thanksgiving was spent there, and I was, it was this week, even we're coming up on Thanksgiving. And so last year we spent Thanksgiving in a hospital with our six month old, you know, and I remember having just come out of, you know, transitioning out of church, just thinking, Oh my, Oh my gosh. Like we, (laughs) here we are in the hospital. We don't have insurance. Well, we have insurance, but it will quickly be running out, you know? Um, let alone we don't have a job. How are we going to pay for these medical bills? Uh, Had really no plan. Um, Just remember focusing on taking care of our our kid. And so while we were in the hospital, we received, (laughs) as as only the Lord can do, we we received three potential kind of opportunities for jobs. Um, All kind of in, um, ministry, I wasn't quite sure if, if I would end up back in the church. I just, I just didn't know. And so I had these three opportunities that came along. And so we, we were, we were in a, in a season where we we were trying to process those opportunities, but at the same time, know that our, our primary concern had to be our, our daughter. So after about two weeks, um, Eleanor was released from the hospital you know, I, we, I could spend a whole episode talking about what the Lord did in that hospital. Um, but so, but, but we don't have time for that. So Eleanor is released from the hospital, and we find ourselves in this kind of crossroads of, okay, so. The Lord has, has seen us through this, uh, our daughter's sickness. Now what? We have these three options. You know, three potential opportunities um, for me as a husband to provide for my family, you know, and what am I going to do? And so one of those options, um, happened to be, um, a church in Seattle, Washington. What you may or may not know is that Seattle, Washington was basically the farthest, (laughs) the farthest state away from where we currently were, um, we were currently, we were living in Kentucky, excuse me, um, near my family, near, near support, near encouragement, constant encouragement, and um, then had this opportunity to basically uproot our lives and move to Seattle. Um, and there was a part of me and a part of us in that conversation. I remember talking to Jamie and my wife and just thinking like, and like, how? is this even doable, you know? I mean, this is, this is in some ways like another world to us. And, uh, or or moving to Seattle would have been like moving to another city (laughs) in a different country. Um, And so we didn't have like a clear sign from the Lord to, to, to go here or do this thing. I just remember thinking, okay, God, like, You've given us a lot of options. Uh, and and the, best, the best we can do is make, you know, an informed, educated decision and, and trust you. So with no real clear um, direction from the Lord, just good, solid options, in April, we uprooted our family and moved to Seattle, Washington. I think so much of the Christian life um it's really just this god lays options in front of us we we have to process those options discern those options whether it's w- will i you know will i send my kids to public school or will i homeschool them will i um you know if you're will i go to this graduate school or this graduate school will i take this career or this career you know, there's so many options that, that God just does not make crystal clear for us. And it's easy to think like, like, God, why aren't you answering me? And, and the correct answer is not that God does not care, right? It's not that God does not care. um. But there's this sense to which he's given us the freedom within his common grace and, and, blessing, essentially, to pick what we want. Now, uh, clearly, if, if we're choosing sin or choosing things that would cause us to sin, if one of those options would, would choose it or, or would cause us to sin, it's probably not a great <laughs> option for us to pick. But so many times in life, the, the choices that we have to make are, are not right or wrong choices. They're not moral choices. They're just wise and unwise. And, and maybe for a season, we make unwise choices that, that put us in difficult seasons. And that was part of the Lord's plan to teach us all along. It doesn't mean that we've sinned or that we've, we've done something wrong. It's just what we chose to do. And so we chose to uproot our family to Seattle, Washington. Um, I remember at one point, you know, looking at my wife and just saying, you know, our lives are like this giant playground where god god's in, intention for us just like in the garden when he made adam and eve is to within godly holy parameters set us loose into his kingdom and so he kind of looks at us in this whimsical way as if to say go play Go, go, recreate, go, go, extend my kingdom into the, the farthest corner of the world, and and let let the people of this world know what my kingdom is like. So, you know, just just as encouragement, if you're listening this, if you're listening this afternoon or this morning, and you're think, and you're stuck with this choice of, you know, there're two seemingly good options, and which one is right or which one's wrong. They might both be right. You know, that doesn't mean that they're both wise. Um, that doesn't mean that there isn't a better one to choose. But it, we don't, I think so often we get paralyzed by this fear of sinning, which is a wholly good thing. But we get so fearful of, of just sinning and making a wrong choice that we don't make any choice and that can be just as debilitating and, and frankly, just as sinful as, as making the wrong choice. And so this morning, if you're struggling with, with man, like what, with, with these decisions, I, I w- we would just, my wife and I, if she were, st- if she were sitting right here next to me, I think we would both say, trust the Lord, pray to him, seek godly counsel, make a choice, and trust him. That's, that's what 90% of our lives are. You know, that's, that's all they are.
0: All right. Well, welcome back to Jordan and Jamie. I am here on location with Jordan and Jamie at their new house. So as you may have remembered, we were um, meeting with Jordan and Jamie before a big transition. And so now I'm actually not in Dayton recording with them, but I'll let them fill you guys in on where they're at and how they're doing. So take it away. Hi. Well, thanks for having
2: us back, Bethany. (laughs) We um, did make the move to Seattle. Jordan started at the beginning of April, and Eleanor and I came out in the middle of May. So we've been here and um, working and making friends and just kind of getting acclimated to a very different culture.
0: So what do you feel like has remained the same since we last talked? So we know location-wise, geographically... That's been a change, but what other things have either changed or remained the same since we last talked?
2: Well, we still are married. <laughs>
0: that's great. We're happy to hear that. Happy <laughs> to report back.
2: Yes. Um, we still highly value community, and um, we still feel like that's an important part of. Um, the church and things that we um, value. <laughs> Jordan, why don't you talk about things that have remained the same?
3: Uh, things that have stayed the same. I think we still kind of feel a general um, uncertainty. <laughs> you know, when we when we moved, there was a level of. What do we do? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I guess somewhere in the back of your mind, you kind of think you make a decision. Then as you make that decision, Mm -hmm. either circumstances get easier or there's some big, um, sign Mm. that that was the right decision, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I still, I still think somewhere like maybe I was expecting that. Um, that hasn't been the case. I'm not saying it was the wrong move. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying uh, there's still a lot of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of like, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Um, so that is, that is definitely made the same. Um, yeah.
0: I think that that um, kind of that summary of where you're at, I think, is encouraging to me because I know one thing that we going into this season where, you know, the, the idea is really interesting to, you know, look at people kind of separated by time. So that's the whole premise of premise of the season. Um, but I would never want to misrepresent, you know, how the Lord works and just presume that, you know, everybody that you hear throughout the season is going to magically, be all better by the time we talk to them next. So I think that even though, you know, some of our guests that that has happened, things have come together, things have become more clear, you know, circumstances has changed for them. But I know others, you know, they're, they're still struggling or things haven't been made clear. So I think that that's a good reminder and encouragement to the rest of our listeners that, you know, if you're still in a season of, Things being unclear, that that doesn't mean that the Lord is any less in control or cares about you any less. Um, I. It's interesting um, at Veritas, where I go to church, we're going through Nehemiah right now, and a couple weeks ago we had gotten to the chapter. Build that wall. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> we had gotten to the chapter where once the um construction is finally done, they gather all the people together and they take a census and it's it's kind of like, okay, like I get that they're numbering all the people, but why is that significant? And the point is that, you know, the the remnant has been um brought back together. So they've been scattered because of their disobedience and then they're bring br- bring bring <sighs> brought back together. And so numbering off the Israelites is a sign of God's fulfillment of his covenant that he would regather his people to himself, which actually is a fulfillment of the covenant that he made with Abraham way back when, when he first called him into kind of blind obedience that like, I want you to up and move your family. I'm not going to tell you where, just start taking those small incremental steps of obedience um, and Abraham never got to see the fulfillment of the promise that, you know, I'm going to make your your, you know, your offspring as numerous as the stars. And then you fast forward centuries later and you now see the Israelites, you know, they've expanded, they've fallen into sin, they've repented, they've fallen into sin again. And then this census in Nehemiah shows that, you know, not only has God fulfilled his promise to Abraham, but he's fulfilled his promise to you know, make a name for himself amongst the nations. Um, so what are some things, you know, on the upswing? so you've you know we fast forwarded a few months. Um, what are some things that you wish you could have clued yourselves in on when we first talked that you you know you've seen now? So what what do you wish you could have kind of hinted at like, hey, Jamie FYI, be aware. That's a
2: very good question. Um, one thing that's been specifically hard for me here is I've been a stay-at-home mom, and I really enjoy that, and it's something that I would say is a priority to me. But it's been a lot more lonely than I would have anticipated. Um, partially because we moved mm-hmm. to where we really don't know anyone, but also just um, oh, this is gonna make me cry. Um, just. It's just hard work. Um, <laughs> um. So I probably would have just told myself to make sure that I was in the Word. And like, mm-hmm. not that I'm in control of how much God's in my life, but I kind of am. So I need to make sure that I'm um, kind of preparing for the different battles that we face in them. So I don't know, just... I feel like sometimes I'm just kind of flying by the seat of my pants. So I think maybe what I would have told myself six months ago is just to be, um, I don't know, just to be more grounded in the word and, um, just make that a higher priority so Mm -hmm. that when we enter these harder seasons, that not that they're easier for us, but that we've got habits in place that help us draw on the Lord when we need that help. Um, so in that sense, it makes those seasons easier, but it's because we've had those good habits in place. When times were easier, so when times are harder, um, we've got kind of like good coping mechanisms kind of. Um, of course, it is harder not being around family, which is one thing we really miss. Um so I'm not, I'm not sure I would tell myself not to have come out here cuz that I probably wouldn't have believed myself <laughs> cuz we probably would have done it anyways but um so yeah that's been I'm not even sure what your question was but <laughs> that's probably what I would have told myself um, cuz I think we've been so buoyed by our families and mm. friends um and so we just don't have that here and so that's been um different. But I feel like now that I'm here and I am a stay-at-home mom, very isolated. I feel like I've got the space to spend with mm-hmm. the Lord where I feel like when I've got the booing of like friends and family and you know, just church events and things, I'm more distracted mm-hmm. and more busy, quote unquote mm-hmm. busy, and so I don't haven't been taking the time mm-hmm. to spend with the Lord and read his word. And I had oodles of time when she was a newborn because they just sleep all the time. Um, But now I feel like I'm making that more of a priority and it's been helpful. And even just listening to anyone in the word, that's been really helpful for me just to literally hear other women that are going through life. So um, that's,
0: that's that. I think that it's, it's a good reminder that, you know, So many, I know for me too, that so, so often, you know, we're, the Lord gives us good gifts and like, obviously community is a gift of his and he's created us to be relation, relational beings, but it can very easy become something that I know that maybe I rely too much on at times and that, that can only sustain you so far. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, in school, you know, when you're, if you do a lot of group work, well, it's, it's great when you have a strong group, but then, you know, when you're on your own taking an exam, that's mm-hmm. where you like sink or swim. Um, so in a sense, you know, it, sometimes I think the Lord will in my own life too, kind of peel back those layers that just kind of show me like, Hey, you're being a little too reliant on XYZ mm-hmm. instead of me like you need to be reliant on me but then the also great thing about you know the god that we serve is that he doesn't withhold himself from us so you know as you're in a season where you know some of that structure and that support has been stripped away you know and you say like oh i you know wish that i had used my preparation time before all this to you know be stronger in the word or you know what have you you know, he's ready to meet you guys where you're at now. So, you know, I think so often culture can kind of show this perception of God where he, you know, just kind of is sitting back with like his arms crossed, like, told you, you know, told you you were going to need me, but that's not that's not how he acts. Like he's just waiting for us to kind of, you know, finally like clue in like, hey, you know, you're going to need me. And when you figure that out, like I'm here for you. And I feel... I feel like over the summer going through Hosea as like harsh as some of that book is that underpinning of like, when you, you know, when you finally realize that I've been here all along, like I'm going to be here to receive you back. Um, which I know can be a, an encouraging thing for me cause I'm, I can be pretty stubborn and don't pick up on clues very easily. <laughs> Jordan, do you have any, um, anything you wish you could have kind of turned the clock back and told yourself?
3: No, I think that I probably would not have said it that way, but that I think what Jamie said probably gave words to a lot of what I felt. I think it's super, super tempting and super easy to outsource maybe the wrong word. Um, but outsource your discipleship or to other mm-hmm. people. Um, or maybe even kind of, uh, maybe assume intimacy with God when it's really intimacy with other people that mm. you have. Um, and we've talked about that a lot too, like how we were quick to ask for opinions and Hey, what should we do here? Mm. And then often just having to come back to one another and say like, have, have we prayed actually have we prayed about this to the father? And I think that's gosh, I mean, that's just well, it's so much easier to pick up my phone, right? And Mm -hmm. call someone. Um, So I think that, I think what she said was was spot on. Um, I I do think that there's, uh, there are a lot of, a lot of differences in the culture, just city, right? And Mm -hmm. not even like, not even like lostness, you know, I mean, right? Seattle's a lost city, but all cities have lost people in them, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's not even that it's been so different. It's just, a lot of things, I think, for me, even um, things like we sold our car to come here, mm-hmm. right? And so we, we have a car uh, that I take to work most every day. Um, we kind of downsized to an apartment, mm-hmm. and so I think there's what the Lord is doing for me is just kind of revealing uh, some areas that. I've maybe just been prideful in or assumed that I deserved or was entitled to. And, you know, rather than ask or rather than getting frustrated, I think I've, the Lord has brought me to a spot where I'm having to ask, okay, is this, it's a cultural thing. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like if you tell someone in West Seattle that, Hey, I only have one car and I live in a two bedroom apartment. Like, Join the club, you know, like <laughs> like uh, who doesn't in West Seattle because it's so expensive. But um, I think there are a lot of things that we just assume that are, that we uh, should be entitled to or are entitled to that are really cultural conveniences and, and privileges. And that's not to say two car having two cars is mm-hmm. wrong, right? right? But God is not unfaithful because we only have one. So,
0: so what are some other ways that maybe you feel like in this season where you know we're still kind of struggling like I think it's if, if I if I'm allowed to make a assessment of where you guys are feeling like thing, things haven't magically like become rainbows and butterflies but what are some aspects of God's character that you feel like either have um, become new to you or maybe you haven't you know have just become a little bit more clear in this kind of transition, you know, prolonged transition period for you guys? Um, One thing that I
2: feel like I have learned, um, well, just a quick side note. So since I've been here, my mom came and visited, and she was telling me about a BSF class that she Mm -hmm. was going to in Louisiana. And she had had certain connotations with BSF since like the 90s. And so Mm -hmm. she'd been reluctant to try it, but then she did. And I thought, well, that sounds perfect. And I remember all these Dayton women talking about it, but I never really understood mm-hmm. the system or how it worked or anything like that. So I looked it up and there was a class or there is a class that meets just walking distance from our apartment, which is a huge blessing. Cause like Jordan said, we share a car and it's mm-hmm. nice for us to have places we can walk. So I started this fall um, and we've been going through Joshua. And one thing that has stuck out to me is just that God was requiring obedience from them. Mm-hmm. And, one thing we've been kind of working with Eleanor on like how we react when she's disobedient. So that's been a portion, but then I also feel like God just reiterates it so much to Joshua and the Israelites. Like you need to obey me. You don't need to turn to the right or the left. And he promises like success in his kingdom when Mm -hmm. we do that. And so I feel like that's just been repeatedly shown to me, but I'm not really sure what it is that God's telling me to obey. I mean, obviously like, Follow his law and love other people and you know love him but I feel like I need to have some specific thing that he wants me to obey (laughs) and I can't really figure that out I feel like I have prayed some like what is it that you're calling me to obey you know in like a specific way Mm -hmm. and I don't really know what that is so if we were to do a time lapse part three maybe I would have it had been revealed to me but um so just that the Lord does require obedience from us, and that He doesn't, He doesn't want us to live in folly of just whatever we feel like doing. And it's really interesting, like just watching Eleanor, because she just does exactly what she wants, and generally she does it repeatedly of what we've told her not to do. And she knows the few things that are just obedient, but we kind of do the exact same thing. We're like, "Okay, God, can I do this now?" And He's like, "No." And then you're like, "What well, can we do it now?" And He's like, "No," like <laughs> still no. <laughs> and I think that's gracious of Him that He does discipline us and he doesn't allow us just I mean he may for a time but allow us just to be disobedient and rambunctious and crazy for a really extended amount of time like he does draw us back so this is kind of a ramble but I feel like a character trait of his is that he does require obedience from us I'm just still trying to And maybe there isn't some big reveal of like, you need to follow me in this Mm -hmm. exact way. Maybe it is just day to day loving him and loving his people. And maybe I'm just making it
0: too complicated. Jordan's nodding, (laughs) but I'm
2: making it too complicated.
0: (laughs) Where I'm going through first, second, and third John with some girls. And granted, I'm a little bit behind in my homework. So I haven't um, fully dug into this passage to get, you know, get the most out of what's there, but, um, we've part of the homework that I'm working on is, um, the bulk of chapter two. And it's interesting that you bring up that kind of obedience aspect of the Lord. Um, because in chapter two, it's where he talks about, Um, what it means to know God and it says that um, by this we have come to know him if we keep his commandments and whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him but whoever keeps his word in him truly the love of God is perfected by this we may know that we are in him whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked and just kind of the preliminary questions that you know have you kind of like dig into those couple verses or like what, you know, what does it mean to that keeping his commandments is an aspect of knowing him? Um, and how does that tie into, you know, where it talks about like knowing, knowing the word and like keeping his word. And so I, I feel like that kind of all ties in with that aspect of like this God who commands our obedience, but we can't obey something without knowing him. And we can't, know him if we're not spending time in the word who, whose whole purpose is to show us who God is. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, having grown up, grown up in the church and maybe can often like err on the side of, you know, being a rule follower and like maybe a more legal, legalistic application that, you know, okay, like give me a list of things that I'm supposed to do in obedience and like, you know, I'll work at, you know, doing them and doing them right. Right. But that completely takes out that like relational aspect that mm-hmm. God isn't just up there, you know, with his check mark of like, oh, Jamie obeyed in this area and in this area and today, not not so great. Maybe we'll work we won't get a, a star on the chore chart, God's chore chart today. It, when we're so focused on the doing of the obeying versus knowing him mm-hmm. by obeying, because we we know him based on what's important to him that he's like called us into obedience. So I think even just like for me, looking at those verses has helped me see that obedience isn't just about doing or not doing the things that He's called us to, but it's about knowing who He is and having that relationship. So I don't know what that means for what He's you know going to teach you through your BSF um, BSF study, but I think that like redeeming that aspect of who who God is. By calling us to obedience, so that you know that's significant part of belief, because Scripture is full of a lot of things that we're called to obey. So it must be important in some way, shape, or form. But we're also really good at distorting that, for better or for worse. Yeah, I think that's that's
2: actually really helpful for me. I'm glad we're doing this <laughs> this podcast. Um, I probably would. St- Continue to be confused. Um, that's helpful for me and freeing because I also have a legalistic bend, and it would be uh comforting to me even to have a list of like, okay, these are the five things God told me to obey. I can do. Yeah, I can <laughs> knuckle down and do that. And that's like you said, that's not really His goal. Um, it is about relationship and knowing. He wants us to know Him and to desire to know him Mm -hmm. Um, and even that's obeying him because he tells us to love him and love his people and so that in turn helps us know more about him so that's thank you.
0: (laughs) Jordan do you have any aspects of God's character that you felt because like obviously there's a lot of this experience that you guys go through together as married couple but you also have your separate experiences with the Lord anything that you want to tack on
3: um characteristics of the lord yeah there are several honestly uh one would it's it's i guess to make it a characteristic it would just be his graciousness and that's super cliche to say right um but i have my wife would attest to this really before we moved out here and since i've been here i've just struggled with a lot of anxiety. Mm. Um, the whole, uh, like the presidential warning, you know, a couple <laughs> of Wednesdays ago, like really freaked me out. Um, I've not really ever had this much anxiety probably in my life. Um, sure, like struggled with depression and stuff, mm-hmm. but anxiety has, has been pretty, pretty bad recently. And um, to the degree to which I'm, like mean, I was questioning my faith, questioning my, um, do I have faith? Do I really mm-hmm. believe? Not, not even like I, uh, wanted to believe something else, mm-hmm. but there's always just, uh, my faith wasn't strong enough. Um, and so I think just seeing the way my wife, with Jamie cared for me, mm-hmm. like during that time was just really good. Um, and I was really messed up. And I was editing these podcasts like sobbing most of the time too because it was, um, they were, they were really good. Um, yeah, so, so God's gracious, God's graciousness was in the sense of, I think he's teaching me that I'm way more messed up than I realize, Mm. right? Like all of us, you know, like there are, Jamie wants a checklist, um, I don't want the checklist, <laughs> right? Like, uh, I what's what's ironic about that is I don't want the checklist until I realize how, like, because to say that, right, means like, because in, in Jamie's heart, I love you, but there's something there that wants to wants to please, to kind of in some way like prove that she's abiding, which there's a degree that it is true, right? But then to say you don't want the checklist is kind of just to be dangling in no man's land because you don't have anything to prove yourself mm. by, right? Which is good if you're trusting in the Lord. Um, but when your faith is unsure and your, mm. your doubt is, un- and, and you're just plagued with doubt, um, you don't know if you can really fall on that. You know, and I remember before we left here, reading two books that have that really helped me um, on introspection and uh uh doubt and and reading through those one was uh uh what was I forgot what it's was called it's about Jared Millinger or Millinger and then one on by Barnabas bon Piper right uh help My Unbelief, and realizing uh even more deeply that this has been and is about like grace from day one mm-hmm. you know and um i think our baby's waking up But uh, really kind of coming to grips with that. Mm -hmm. uh, I say I believe in depravity, and I do, um, but actually like being okay with it and knowing that God is redeeming me even though I don't feel like it. Um, I remember one night just sobbing that, God, I feel like I don't know you. I feel like I don't love Mm -hmm. you enough. I don't do these things. And somewhere in my heart, like I wanted to experience what it was like to not believe the gospel Mm -hmm. because then that would like, Kind of prove like, oh, you do believe the gospel, because yeah. this is what non-believers do, right? And I grew up in the church, so like when the Lord saved me is super blurry for mm-hmm. me, you know, like super blurry. Um and I remember just praying, like, God, like, I'm losing my mind, like I'm so far in my own Enneagram for mind, <laughs> like, that I can't, I can't make sense of my own thoughts. Mm. And how, like, how do I know I believe? How do I know I do these things? And, you know, just his, to the spirit, through whatever, you know, I feel like the Lord just said, um, because I won't let you not believe. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, I mean, that is the gospel, right? Those mm-hmm. he, he chooses, he keeps. And so keeping us despite our mental health, mm-hmm. keeping us despite our um, legalism, Keeping us, despite our lawlessness, you know mm. that that is the gospel. That's the gospel.
0: I know there's there's aspects of this next question that we we've kind of hit on. Um, so we've talked about Joshua and just the reminders of what you know what true what the gospel truly truly means. Um, are there other other aspects of God's word specifically that have um, grown? more dear to you in this time or that, you know, in your personal study have really been helpful to you guys?
3: Um, we're going through first Timothy right now at our church. And uh, so it's very tempting, right. To plan gatherings, to plan songs, um, and to do all these things for other people. Mm. Right. And, and for, Forget that they're for you, you know? Mm. Uh, and so, are you going to read yours? Are you looking yours up? Mm-hmm. So, the verse in 1 Timothy, I can't remember exactly where it is, but it talks about what are you going to say? Yeah. The concept that, that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. It's right here, it's 1 Timothy 1. Just look it up. Yeah. It's verse 15. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Mm-hmm. It's it's very, very easy to ascribe intellectually to the gospel. Mm. It's another thing to apply it personally. And we typically tend to be people who can... um give it or administer it to others Mm -hmm. and do terribly at administering to our own hearts, which is one of the biggest reasons why we need community, Mm -hmm. right? We're terrible dissectors of our own hearts. We're terrible counselors of our own hearts. I mean, you know, to go back to the date limit in the word verse, right? Let the word of Christ dwell in you Mm -hmm. richly, right? Admonishing who? Not yourself, Mm -hmm. one another. It's because, I need it to admonish my own heart, Mm. but I don't necessarily always receive it from myself. Mm -hmm. I receive it from my wife and from my friends. And so really just kind of recentering, I guess is probably the best way to say it, like with what is the gospel Mm. in the kind of the whole, like not or, or being buoyed by our friends and family having to kind of come to grips with, okay, like I wouldn't call it a faith crisis necessarily. Right. But just like, oh yeah, like this is the gospel. It's, it's that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. And the fact that I even recognize there's a gap in what I say I believe and do and that I am a Pharisee is, is proof that I'm the tax collector, mm-hmm. right? That I'm, I'm the, the tax collector, not the Pharisee, but, but also the Pharisee. So, so the, the, yeah, so the thing is trustworthy um, that Jesus Christ came to save sinners, This is good news.
0: Did you find your verse yet, Jamie?
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, so my my verse that I have found helpful is also in First Timothy. Um, like Jordan said, our church is walking through this book um, right now. But even as I was reading this, I realized that it still has like a law loving <laughs> bend to it. Um, but just to help remind me that. Focusing on the Lord is so much more important. But um, this is in First Timothy 4. Verse, it's kind of like halfway through verse 7. It says, rather, well, t- uh, Paul's telling them having nothing to do with irreverent silly myths, myths. And he says, rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the mm-hmm. life to come. And it's interesting because Jordan's verse says this. And so this says in verse nine, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance for to this end, we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. So yes, I, my brain can take that and be like, I need to be training my godliness and (laughs) working really hard, um, which it, I just, it helps me, um, not that I really exercise that much, but that even in our culture we put so much emphasis on our our, our physical mm-hmm. human bodies like the chemicals we put on them or the food we put in them or the amount of exercise we do or if it's tan or not tan or you know all these things we do to our bodies and it almost seems ridiculous because we know that they are not going to last forever but the word is telling us that our our spirituality and our godliness can last forever mm-hmm. and it should. And so it's saying, you know, put your time and your and your energy into training yourself in the word mm-hmm. and with the Lord and that that lasts now. It's helpful for you now and um, it's for your benefit, you know, on this side of heaven, mm-hmm. but then it also will last forever, which our bodies won't. So like I said, it's not that I'm this big health guru that <laughs> I need to <laughs> majorly change, but it's it's helpful that the word tells us to focus on that.
0: So mm-hmm. I think that that same theme is also reiterated in 1 Peter because it talks a lot about um, an inheritance that's incorruptible. And I know when I was studying that with um, some girls at school last spring, that reminder of, you know, not that... You know, there, there certain things that we're called to, whether, you know, it's our vocation or, you know, things that are important, even if they aren't long term. But when you're trying to assess, you know, where you're you're investing your time, because it really, you know, it is a resource that we invest, just like, you know, f- finances and things like that, that we really should be prioritizing the things, the relationships, the activities that have that internal, eternal Impact. So maybe that means, you know putting aside my idol of productivity because I have a friend who, you know, is going through a crisis or be, I need to, you know, put aside my idol of social media and, you know, stop scrolling through Facebook for the 5,000th time that day and like work on my homework for, for second and third John. Um, but that reminder that, and, and I love that like both of those passages, it, you know, it's very similar themes that are so so easy to grasp but also kind of gentle in their approach like he doesn't come in you know beating us over the head with all these stupid things that we get distracted by but is like hey j- just remember that you know there are things that are going to like last forever mm-hmm. but it's up to you if you choose to prioritize those things or these things that maybe are shinier or easier um but they're going to go away some sometime you're not taking any of that with you yeah. um what, as we kind of draw, draw to a close in some ways, or at least in this, this chapter of things, (laughs) what are, um, some ways that you've been challenged in your walk with the Lord? So, you know, I'll just leave you with an easy one. (laughs) So this is just a very practical example,
2: but like, so Eleanor takes a nap and it's like the golden time of the day because you can actually, yeah, we're, we're using it wisely, but, um, I always feel this pressure on myself to get as much done as I can during that time. And I always say, you know, like what can I not do while she's awake? And I usually, I do things that are important, but like I should, um, it's been challenging to me to like, to use that time to be able to have quiet time with the Lord, because it really is almost impossible to do it with a year and a half year old child. Um, so that's been, like you said, like putting aside productivity, maybe not a friend in crisis, but just what I consider productivity, you know, on earthly things, but that I should, and it's a privilege for me to be able to spend that time Mm -hmm. praying in quiet solitude and also being able to read the read the word. Um, So that's been a challenge of me to put that first, that I do that first and then if, there's time left in the nap Mm -hmm. then I can do other things but um and I have to be careful with that too because I can be too rigid on myself but um I think the challenge is just to really to put the Lord at a higher priority in Mm. the 24 hours that we have each day um because sometimes I get way too deep in my mind I'm like we don't have anything that didn't come from him I mean like the daughter that's keeping me from reading the Bible was a gift from him, <laughs> you know, like that we moved out here for this job is a gift from him. And everything we have is from him. And if I just get too bogged down in that, and I just feel like I'm kind of not drowning, mm-hmm. but just like kind of enclosed that he doesn't. It's not that I need to wait for this season to pass to be mm. able to really focus on him again. Mm-hmm. Like that's not, probably may ever happen like it's not like i'm gonna have this magical season that's easier to take time for him it's we'll probably just get more tricky Mm -hmm. as we age and more children come into the picture but um so i guess just almost like you tie that it comes off you know from the, the top or whatever you say like it comes off like the first fruit of your um your income that with my time challenging it to give it to him Mm -hmm. and spend time with him rather than if I have time at the end of the day when everyone's asleep and I may read a little bit um so I don't know that may be what I'm challenged to do is to really
0: put him first I guess
3: I think that was very good what you said
0: thank you you can't just steal her answer
3: I'm not I am gonna piggyback on it a bit though I, I do think the concept of just understanding that life's just hard, it's busy, scary, things happen, you have anxiety, you have babies, they get sick, all these things happen and life does not stop. It can't stop and it shouldn't stop. Um, So just understanding the concept of the kingdom and like uh, what we're actually here to do, like literally why God doesn't save us and zap us Know, to himself is because he saves us for the for the hope of the world and the concept of the kingdom so that when we suffer we suffer with the hope of Christ and when when non-believers suffer we, we have Christ to, to give them and when Jamie feels lonely, we have Christ to give people that are lonely and there's nothing about Christianity or the kingdom that is self-serving well it's not supposed to be mm-hmm. right. Um, when you read acts, nothing is self serving, and then a lot of a lot of my anxiety, if I really link it back to something, is anxiety over self you know very very little of it is anxiety for my wife or for my kid or for my friends it's the loss of my life right or it's something else and um Jesus was not concerned about that. Jesus did not think that way. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul did not think that way, right? Um, he says that he was united with Christ through Christ's sufferings. Let's, that'll, that'll blow your mind a little bit, um, that we know God through our pain, through our suffering, and there are people that have suffered much, much, much worse than I have, and I know that to be true. Um, in many ways, their suffering has encouraged me, um, and, and so I think just kind of taking a less selfish approach to my salvation. Even my salvation is not meant just for my soul, right? Like if we believe that God is making all things new, that includes the world, right? Mm -hmm. um, God's making the planet new. Um, You know, this is not a political like global warming. (laughs) It's it's true, right? It's making all things new. And we are hoping in a kingdom that's coming, not just that we all get to heaven you know like heaven heaven's coming here and we are we are called and commissioned by god by jesus our king to tell the world that Mm -hmm. um and so we don't have enough it's we can't be selfish with that we can't be um too we can be tend to be too self-concerned in that process and we shouldn't be
0: that's a good word well, I am really encouraged by um, what I've been able to hear from you guys from being six months, six months separated. So I think thank you for sharing openly and honestly. And um, I hope that being able to kind of process through some of this stuff um, that even as you are still in a hard season. And even though you still, you know, things aren't necessarily that much more clarified than they were when we first, when we first talked that, you know, you are reminded and our listeners are reminded that, you know, if they're in the same spot that, you know, God still sees you. Mm -hmm. Um, I was really encouraged this past week, um, the Dayton, the 365 reading plan, we've, um, gone into the gospels, which it's, it's neat when, you know, the same parable or the same story is repeated across, you know, two or three of the gospels. Cause there's always, you know, a slightly different take on, um, there's different writers and they had different purposes for what, you know, why they wrote each of the gospels. Um, and one of the stories that I think is in three of the gospels is the story of the, the woman with the issue of blood and who gets healed by Jesus. And I love that story because, you know, having read through the Old Testament in the reading plan, we realized that, you know, how much of a social issue that would have been for her because, you know, she would have, you know, the, the gospel said that she's had this, this problem for years and years and years. So that means for years and years and years, she was, excluded from community she was deemed unclean because she wouldn't have been allowed to come to the temple and worship which you know in Jewish culture coming to the temple is where the worship happened it didn't happen in houses and you know you had to come to the temple to encounter the lord and this woman had been excluded probably her whole life or as soon as this started which probably would she would have been a young woman at that you know that point so she'd also been excluded from community for this long and in In one, you know, in in the accounts, it talks about how she's kind of like creeping along in the back of this entourage that's following Jesus, and she's like, I just, my, you know, I've she spent all of her resources trying every human possible way to get this corrected, and it's not worked, and she, you know, throws throws up one possible last ditch effort of like maybe I can just see this Jesus guy and see if. He really is who he says he is. And so she tries to still stay hidden and just touch his garment because she says, you know, if I, it, it says that she thinks in her head, if I, you know, can just touch his garment, like, I'll be healed. And she does, hoping that she will still fly under the radar and no, you know, she can still go on in this life of anonymity. And Jesus knows, like, it says that he feel, he felt like power go out of him and he sees her and speaks to her. And I, my heart was just really encouraged by the, the words that Luke uses. And then in, in Matthew 2, it specifically says that like Jesus saw her and she was no longer hidden. So mm-hmm. wherever you're at, I just want to encourage you that like God hasn't stopped seeing you and that he, you know, he's using the season for some reason and that, you know, I I was encouraged by what you shared, Jamie, that, you know, you're meant you're meant to use the season as well. Like maybe, you know, it's only temporary, maybe it's prolonged, um, but you can't waste that time hoping that when it gets better, you know, then I'll spend more time in the word, then I'll do X, Y, Z that, you know, the time that we have is short because the kingdom is coming and we can't squander that. So I just, you know, hope that you guys are encouraged that, you know, the Lord hasn't forgotten you, even though things are still a little shady and that, you know, he sees you. Thank you for listening to the Dayton Women in the Word podcast. Our heart for you is that you become a mighty, awe-filled woman of God, who knows, believes, and shares God's word in your areas of influence. We'd love to connect with you on our website, daytonwomenintheword.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Spotify. In the meantime, we fervently pray Colossians 3, 16 through 17 over you. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God, In whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him.